0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Oh, I think it was about three or four years ago, I was called up to a room in the hospital, and there was a fellow who was dying, just about died, he died shortly thereafter, and his sister was in the room with him, and as soon as she found out I was the chaplain, she started railing on God how could God let this happen to my brother? He's a good guy, he's a good brother, he's even a Christian. How could God do this to him? And uh, so I let her kind of go on for a while, and then she was quiet, and she looked up at the television on the wall, and they were showing the destruction at Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Remember a few years ago, that tremendous earthquake there? All kinds of people killed, everything destroyed. And she she looked up at that, and she said, Do you suppose that that's God's punishment on those people for having so much AIDS over there? I hardly knew where to begin. That's the same kinds of questions that Jesus was answering in today's Gospel lesson. It's it's the toughest question, in my mind, in all of theology, and that is the question of evil in the world, the question of suffering. Why is there so much suffering in the world? How does God allow this evil to continue on? And in fact, I'll make it even worse for you. People would put the question this way. If God is a just and merciful God, how come he doesn't do something about all the pain and suffering in the world? And if he can't do anything about it, why do we call him God? That's the worst you can get at looking at it. And yet, uh, that's not the end of the story. So people came to Jesus with a, a question and some information. We're not told what they said to Jesus. We're just told Jesus' answer. But we can surmise what it is from the context. They told him about some Galileans who were killed by Pontius Pilate, and their blood was mingled with the blood of the sacrifices in the temple. Now, the background of this is that Pontius Pilate, I'm pretty sure, didn't think that his duty as governor of Palestine was very good duty because the, the Jews never did want to knuckle under to the, the Roman Empire. They kept having insurrections. They kept having rebellions. They just didn't like the yoke of Rome. And so every once in a while, uh, Pilate had to show them that Rome was still in charge. It was his way of saying, look, remember, we are in charge of every aspect of your life, including the temple. Yes, they had made concessions for the Jews. All the other peoples that Rome subjugated had to worship the Roman gods. And the Jews wouldn't do it. And finally they gave up and said, all right, keep your wacky monotheistic god if that's what you have to have. If it'll keep you happy. But it it didn't. And so they still had. And probably it was one of these insurrections that the Galileans were doing again. And Pilate crushed it. And he mingled their blood with the sacrifices. So the people came to Jesus and they asked him, what do you, what do you think about these Galileans that got, uh, got killed and their blood mingled with the f- sacrifices? And Jesus' response is to say, well, what do you think? You think that those Galileans were worse sinners than other Galileans? No. And then he told them another, uh, gave another example. He said, what about those 18 people that were crushed when the Tower of Siloam fell over on them and killed them in a freak accident? Do you think that those uh, 18 who were crushed were worse sinners than the rest of the folks in Jerusalem? No! But unless you repent, you also will perish. Which kind of makes it sound like there is a connection. But I don't think that's really what Jesus was getting at. I think what he is getting at is to say several things. One, in this life, you are going to suffer. And that's not God's doing. We shouldn't be laying that at God's doorstep. God never creates evil. That comes from someplace much lower. God only creates good. God hates to see us suffer. However, God can occasionally take suffering that comes from somewhere else and, and utilize that for our good. We heard several weeks ago about how God used uh, Joseph's brother selling him into slavery to save the nation of Israel because he became second in command to Pharaoh. And we've got something coming up in a few weeks. That's a pretty good demonstration of that. Good Friday, Easter Sunday morning. There's God taking something bad and turning it around and using it. So God is not the author of evil. That's the first point. Don't be laying that at God's doorstep. That's not his stuff. That's the forces of evil. Or as Martin Luther used to call it, the unholy trinity, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. That's where it comes from. Secondly, the Lord is saying to them, Don't be looking around at what other people are doing. At that time, it was the common belief that when something bad happens, you must have done something bad, and that's why you're getting punished. So the theory was good stuff happens to good people, bad stuff happens to bad people. Did you have something bad happen to you? Well, you must be a bad person then. And Jesus is dispelling that notion, saying, no, that's not the way it is. In another place, he said, rain falls on the righteous, and also on the wicked in this life you will always have trouble do you think these people were worse to go? no no that's not it so he is saying don't be looking around at other people when something bad happens and saying wow I wonder what kind of sin they pulled off to get that kind of punishment don't be looking at other folks saying that don't take other people's inventory take your own the season of lent is one of spiritual stock taking not to be looking at other folks but to look at ourselves and say what do I need to change about me what is there about me that is not either very helpful or very godly what do I need to do differently take your own inventory and secondly thirdly rather he's saying uh, that life is short don't be piddling around and doing stuff that doesn't get you anywhere Seek the Lord while he may be found, the Old Testament lesson said. Life is short and we need to do the things that are important. So, for example, we could look, you could take a look and say, what did I do yesterday, for example, that has eternal significance? Did I do anything yesterday that I would say that that mattered? So, did I play with my grandkids? Did I Help a neighbor. Did I pray? Did I, did I meditate? Did I read scripture? Did I, was I generous in my giving to someone else? Was I considerate and complimentary to my spouse? What did I do yesterday that I could say that, that meant something? Or was it just more stuff? Was I just putting one foot in front of the other again and saying, there I'm living? Jesus is saying, you know, you don't have time to be piddling around like that. You don't know how many days you've got. Live life as if it means something every day. And bear the fruits of repentance. And those fruits are, mentioned in Scripture, like I told the kids, generosity, compassion, service, love, witness, justice. Those are the fruits of repentance. Bear those. Because, you know, I mean, it's nice that you're all here sitting in church today, but just because you're sitting in a pew that, it's not necessarily bearing fruits. and <laughs> As Garrison Keeler put it, Prairie Home Companion, you can be a Christian by sitting in a pew about as easily as you can become an automobile by sleeping in the garage. It, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that that's what you're doing. So bearing fruits. And then he told this parable about the, the fig tree. A man had a fig tree, and it wasn't bearing any figs. And he told the gardener, cut it down. This is a waste of soil and a waste of water. And in an arid country, those things were precious. Cut it down. But the gardener says, well, let's not be hasty here. Give me another year. Let me dig around it. Let me put manure around it. See what happens. Maybe next year it'll have figs. This might be stretching a point because I'm a farm boy, but... The part about the manure captured my my thought here. Uh, I, I remember my grandfather always said, "Never underestimate the power of manure." He was he was he was big on organic fertilizer, and his grandson had organic farming, and he had a sign out front that said, "Grandpa knew best." Uh, so the power of manure, and and if and if I could stretch the point a little further, I would say that the manure is literally the crap that falls into our lives, that it makes it, makes it nasty. That that's, that's you know, the, the pain, the heartache, the suffering, the divorce, the sickness, the betrayal, that, you know, all of that, that's the manure. And what I have discovered, maybe you're different than me on this, but what I've discovered that in my life, the only times that I have great spiritual growth is when manure happens uh, in my life. Something and then and then I wake up and realize, oh yes, I need to call on the name of the Lord. The Lord is there to to walk with me through the fire and through the water. Yes, I need to remember the Lord. Because when things are going swimmingly well, I don't need the Lord. I'm my own God. But then I remember, oh yes, I need the Lord to walk with me. I need the Lord to be with me. And so spiritual growth happens. So In summary, I think what Jesus is saying is that I used to think that the the man in the the parable was God, but now I think it's just some guy and that God is actually the gardener and that when we tend to want to write other people off and say, well, there's a waste of skin, you know, God could do away with her or him, that the Lord is there as the gardener saying, well, just wait a minute now. Let me, let me dig around this a little bit. While we're busy writing people off, the Lord's Spirit is there loosening up the hard soil of their hearts. And the Lord is there using the manure that happens to bring spiritual growth. Just give me, get, wait a little bit. Let me, work, let me work with them. What sounds a little bit like a parable of judgment initially is actually a parable of grace. Hold off, wait, let me work with, let me work with these folks. and Let me work with you. Maybe next year is the year for figs. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.